Hi, gorgeous. This is episode number 21. Hi, this is Andrea Waltz, and you're listening to Heart Cells with Christine Slonsky. I am so happy you are here today. Welcome. And I am really, really excited about our world-class guest today, Andrea Waltz. Before we dive in, make sure you check out the sales journaling prompts. You get them in the success library at christineschlonsky.com. And you can just download them and use them to change your sales mindset into a sales success mindset. And that is basically what we are going into with Andrea. She is the go for no person. If you have been listening to the podcast, her book, Go For No, Yes Is The Destination, was mentioned by Bob Burke in episode three. And I'm super excited that I managed to get her on the show. So let me give you a little bit background information on Andrea. Andrea Waltz is the co-founder of Courage Crafters Inc. and co-author of the best-selling book, Go For No, Yes Is The Destination, No Is How You Get There. GoForNo is a short, powerful fable specifically for organizations and sales professionals of any kind who must overcome fear of failure and rejection to be successful. The book has sold over 400,000 copies and after hitting number one on Amazon's selling list in 2010, remains in the top ranks of sales books today. Since launching the company with her husband and business partner, Richard Fenton, Andrea has built a brand around the phrase, go for no. Using the book as a launch off point, she also produced a documentary style movie interviewing 58 top achievers on how they utilize failure and rejection to reach their goals and dreams. Most recently, she is teaching go for no through an online training and coaching course. She also has spoken all over the US and the United Kingdom, and she is a frequent keynote speaker at entrepreneurial and corporate sales meetings and conventions. She is considered a top sales influencer online, being a featured on a curated list of hotspot, Salesforce, Market Niche, Lifehive, and many others. In case Andrea is not working, she writes fiction with her co-writing partner slash husband and enjoys watching some creepy on Netflix while having a glass of good red wine. I'm so happy you're here today, Andrea. Welcome to a Heart Sales Podcast. Thank you, Christine. I am so excited to be talking with you today. Yeah, and you have such an amazing topic that probably touches every single person that is listening. And um, your best-selling book, Go For No, um, is had such a big impact in the market that you even did a documentary where you interviewed 58 top achievers on how they utilize failure and rejection to actually reach their goals and dreams, right? Because so many people, they just stop, right? They're paralyzed. They can't move forward. So 
everything about sales motivation and, and helping people to reprogram how they think about rejection is like your thing. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm quite sure you didn't start there. What inspired you to go down this rejection path? Well, yeah, I didn't start there at all. <laughs> the idea that I would be doing this today seems very strange to me because when I was in college, I was studying uh, criminal justice. I wanted wow. to be yeah, crime scene investigator before they made any TV shows about that. And um, then I met my now husband, Richard, and he uh, and, and then I met him actually when we were in the corporate world uh, and he taught the go for no philosophy to me really by telling me a story of something very simple that happened to him, simple but profound. And fundamentally it was, he was working in a menswear store years and years earlier and uh, he had a district manager, a guy by the name of Harold, come in and visit the store. And Richard actually was a pretty bad salesperson. I mean, he, well, he was a good salesperson, but he struggled. He, he struggled and he actually thought that they were going to fire him. And so the district manager came in and on that same day, Richard ended up helping a customer who came in and said he wanted to buy an entire wardrobe of clothing. And Richard took care of this man and he sold him all of these clothes, suit and and pants and sport coat and ties and wow. shirts and all of these things. And he had this amazing sale. And now he's thinking that Harold is going to congratulate him on his fabulous sale. And Harold instead says, what did that customer say no to? And Richard said, what do you mean? I sold that guy all of these things thinking that he was going to be rewarded. And Harold said, Richard, out of curiosity, I'm just, I just want to know, what did that customer say no to? And Richard said, you know, Harold, he didn't say no to anything. Everything I showed that man, he purchased. And then Harold said, well, then how did you know he was done? And then Harold proceeded to tell Richard, you are a good salesperson, but your fear of the word no is going to kill you. If you could just get over that, I think you could become one of the great ones. And Richard says he went home that night, two letters from greatness, N-O, he changed the way he thought about the word no, and he ended up becoming an award-winning salesperson. He was, like I said, wow. not that great. And so when we met years later and he told this story to me, I had this epiphany myself because I realized that I didn't like to hear the word no. So to, I, had, I had to kind of tell that story because that was kind of the lightning moment for me as well. And I, I said, well, that's amazing. And I can do that too. And I did. And I used go for no in my corporate job. And then eventually we both quit and launched our own speaking and training company teaching this message. And as I've taught it over the years, what I've found is that everyone, it's the very, very rare person who doesn't hate the word no, who, yeah. who doesn't fear failure, who doesn't fear rejection. So I feel like if I can help people just build their courage a little bit, just um, try and, and take a chance to hear the word no, that they can get the yeses that they're seeking. And so I'm just super passionate, but it all started with actually Richard sharing that one story with me. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and you built like a whole brand around it and people can find you at gofornow.com. Right. Correct. There's, there's yep. a book, there's an online course. So if you want to dive in, you can go really, really deep. And um, I, I'm just so fascinated because people so often miss that important point that they can learn to handle the word no by shifting how they think about it. 
right? So they sabotage themselves, especially in sales. I remember when I started out years ago in high ticket event sales over the phone, uh, like calling general managers, owners of companies. And, you know, luckily I was, I was not experienced. So I listened to what I was told, <laughs> which really helped in the process. But still, the first no's that always felt like a rejection, not for the product, but a, like for my person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it does come across as a personal rejection. You can't help it. And salespeople, I think people who gravitate towards sales are people people, right? Mm-hmm. We, like, we like having conversations. We like people. And so when we experience that rejection, it is, I think, even more easy for us to take it personally because we're, we want to build those relationships. We want to have a connection. Yeah, yeah. I think where it even gets, um, more, well, where it feels maybe more intense is when you have your own company. So when you are an entrepreneur or a solopreneur and you come up with all these great ideas and you are so excited to give your gifts to the world and then you take a couple steps and, you know, you get the no. Do you have any good advice where these people can start to shift around this feeling? Yeah, it's so true. And in fact, you mentioned the documentary um, we talked to an artist, people who make these very interesting, very interesting modern sculptures. And some of what they did was almost modern furniture, things that you would find. It almost looked like Alice in Wonderland. These, wow. these dressers that were bright colors and, and they had all these interesting edges and design. And we found them amazing. But you could see that some people would walk by their display and that they were at a a few different art fairs that we went to and just had no interest. I mean, and it's a big no. And sometimes people would walk by and even comment, right? Like, oh, that's horrible. I would never have that in my house. That is the ultimate rejection of Mm -hmm. your art. And I think any entrepreneur is creating art. You're creating ideas, like you said, and and some kind of business to help people. And so it becomes very personal. The shift I would suggest, and it's not an easy one, but it really is to embrace people's, I guess you would say, right to an opinion. And you um, really have to love and appreciate the no and people actually not liking your art and your what you put out in the world yet you have to learn to appreciate that and it sounds counterintuitive because we want to fight that and say it's mean and it's hurtful when you can shift in your head and say you know what it's okay and in fact it's good because when someone does not like what i'm putting out in the world someone else will be all that more attracted and fall in love with what i'm putting out in the world and that's just how it works and i'll give you an example it's kind of funny actually we wrote a book um, a few years ago called Million Dollar Year. It was for the network marketing industry. And um, that book did okay. But I remember going into amazon.com because all authors like to read their reviews <laughs> and went in and someone had written a review. I think they gave us one star and they said, this book is not worth the paper that it's printed on. And then it went in, went on to say how bad the book was. And 
it felt like a punch in the gut initially, mm-hmm. right? That's the, your initial reaction is, oh, that's so painful. It's painful because this book is ours. We created it, it came from us. So you just really are saying almost you, you feel like you're a bad person or you are a personal failure. And then I did what I'm, te- what I'm trying to explain here, which is I stepped back and I said, you know, um, this is this person's right and choice and it's okay and I need to love it. And so I responded, which I normally don't respond to negative reviews on Amazon, but I felt compelled to respond. And I wrote this person back and I said, you know, I appreciate your comment and I completely understand. And you know what? My husband, Richard, and I went to a movie once, um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which <laughs> is a very famous movie. It got, I think it got Academy, it got one Academy Awards or something. And after about a half an hour, we walked out. We hated it. It was just not our cup of tea. So in a roundabout sort of way on, in this response, I said, I said, so I, I hated that movie. A lot of people loved that movie. So I understand. Everybody deserves and they have the right to their opinion. Sorry you didn't like the book, but I appreciate it. And I wasn't expecting this to happen, but this person actually responded a few weeks later and said, you know what, I reread the book and I'm changing my review. It's actually really good. And I guess they changed their review to four stars or something. Now, I wasn't even expecting that and that wasn't my goal, but I felt really good just responding. And instead of wanting to fight this person or instead of being hurt, Mm. I tried to make it empowering and say, I appreciate the fact that you didn't like it and that's okay. I can, I I can survive and there's lots of art that I don't like. It doesn't mean that the person who created it is bad or that they're a failure. It's actually says everything about me. My dislike for a particular movie is based on my history and beliefs and likes and dislikes and has nothing to do with the people that created it. So it is a work in progress. It does take some time, but I think in those moments you send out love and appreciation instead of holding onto that hurt and that pain. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love the story. And I, I so can see it because when we look at ourselves, when we walk around, how often is it that we see something that we don't really like? You know, it could be art or, you know, how often might we end up in a restaurant where the food is just not as great as we wanted it to be? Sure. So there's like basically every single day we will find something that we are not in love with. Yes, constant. Exactly. So shifting the perspective and seeing, well, that happens to other people with my products, which doesn't make them a bad person, which doesn't make me a bad person. It's just the way it is. And I can move on because it has nothing to do with me personally. Then I think it will become easier. Absolutely. And the more you, you appreciate those differences in people, and you're right, it's everywhere. We're constantly making judgments about food and what's around us and people's clothing. And we oftentimes just judge very quickly and superficially. We look at something and we decide, do I like that or not? And it's all based on our own opinion and has nothing to do. And the, and the person shouldn't feel bad because one of my other favorite analogies is if we you and I both saw a woman walking down the street in a dress that was white with bright cherries covering the dress <laughs> and, and a big red floppy hat. And if I said, oh my gosh, that outfit is ridiculous. And I told this to this woman, and then you said simultaneously, your outfit is amazing. I love it. Well, who's right? 
And should she feel bad because I don't approve, but yet good because you approve? And really what it comes down to is almost neutral. She really shouldn't be paying attention to either one of us, quite frankly, your great opinion, my negative one, because it's just, it's, it's ours. And so the mm-hmm. sooner that I think we just get to a place where we create what we want to create because we're in love with it and it's our passion and, and we, that's what we want to do. And we don't need that outside, outside validation, but we do want to get that that creation out into the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who said that, but um, that was something that really um, stayed with me. Another person's opinion is none of your business. Yes, so true. I, it, I think it really, really helps. So if you're an entrepreneur, you just create whatever you want to create. I mean, obviously, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to create something that you know, the market also wants, if you only do something that you want, then it might be more of a hobby. Um, But you want to have a look like what is or who is your ideal customer? And are you serving them with your products? And that makes the journey easier. So could you touch a little bit on that? Um, If people hear no too often, or they, they perceive that they hear no too often, which could be, well, first of all, they haven't asked often enough, right? So some people, for example, say, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting so many no's. And then when you say, well, how many no's did you get? 10. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I'm sure that if you are a successful salesperson, you have to ask at least a hundred times. Absolutely. I think there's two things going on with the no. And one of them is a quality no, and one of them is a quantity no. And I find, we find that most of the time you are exactly right. We're not, we don't have the quantity going for us. We're not telling our story to enough people. And so we think that things should be easier and we should be able to tell our story to five people, get four or five yeses out of those five people and call it a day. Um, If you, so the numbers, it, and we, I don't like the phrase sales is a numbers game, but in fact, it is kind of a numbers game. People aren't numbers, but say it is a numbers game. And so you do have to have that quantity working for you. You can't talk to five people and hope to get five yeses. No one is 100 for 100, right? Um, or even, I mean, in the sales world, 30% is considered, in baseball, it's the same thing. It's, it's three out of 10 is considered excellent. So if you want to get a higher number of yeses, fundamentally what go for no means is you need to increase your opportunities for no. So if you want to get um, 300 yeses over the year, you're going to have to hear several thousand no's. That's just how the number's going to play out. Now to your other point, which is, well, what about the quality? And this is where you do have to analyze and you do have to be strategic and you do have to say, well, I'm not, I'm getting so many no's and it feels like and I, I've got my quantity up now, now it's starting to feel like there's another kind of problem. And that is where you have to dig in and start asking why and what's going on. And are you, are you hearing no's early in the process? So maybe there's something about your initial contact or if it's online, an initial sales letter or initial email, or are you moving people through the process and then at the very end you're getting no's? So there's something more in the back end. Now, the interesting thing is if the quantity is not there, 
then asking those questions again is very difficult because your sample size is so small. One or two people doesn't, you know, I, I had a meeting with one or two people and um, at the end of the conversation, they both said, no, well, that's not a big enough sample size to say that you have a problem closing. That's just interesting information. You have to start talking to more people to where you can then start saying, why, why is this? And can you get some information from the people that you are working with? Sometimes it's, Sometimes it's easy to get get confused. And I think as entrepreneurs and Richard and I get confused as well, and it really helps to step back. Um, one of the things that happened to us with, and we write a lot of books and it took us years to step back on a couple books and say, why didn't this book go? Why did Go For No do so well and a couple of the other books that we wrote didn't? And we, we had some epiphanies where we realized, wow, these books were good stories, but they weren't really solving a problem. The customer would see the book and then not really understand what problem we were solving. And so I think that as entrepreneurs, we have to have clarity, as you said, have your target market and also be very clear yourself what kind of transformation you're trying to help people through and work on and constantly work on improving the communication of that and that often will will help your yeses and your no your no quotient but start getting out there and telling your story more that that is my number one piece of advice initially yeah yeah and also um what i see a lot of people not doing is keeping track like knowing the numbers to how many people did i did i tell my story how many people could I invite for a conversation around my products? And how many people said yes? How many people said no? Um, a lot of people don't have the slightest idea of where to look for the numbers so they can actually set themselves up for success. Because if I know I need to speak to 10 people to make one or two deals or win new customers, then I can scale the whole thing while if I'm Absolutely. You know, just Absolutely. In the dark. <laughs> yeah. And that's where it's, I like to say it's art meets commerce. That's the big mm. challenge for entrepreneurs is we are, we all love creativity. We like to be artists in our own way of whatever product or service we're creating. And that has to, to, cross into commerce. And when I say commerce, I mean selling and hearing more no's to get more yeses and paying attention to your numbers and being somebody who can look at the data and try to glean lessons from that data. So art meeting commerce is a powerful equation. You can't overdo on either one, right? You want to try to have both in a, in a balance. Yeah. That's really nice. Uh... Well said. I, I like that art meeting commerce. It's something that sticks. <laughs> so do you, do you remember um, when you did your very first sale? The funny thing is our very first sale with uh, the very first thing we ever sold in our business was a book. And it was actually, we wrote a book called Unlocking the Secrets of Retail Magic and we sent it out to, um, uh, and maybe we didn't, I, I, it's been literally 20 years, but I remember our first order came through the fax machine and it was for $8.20. And it was one of those books. Someone actually bought one of the books. I think we sent a press release and an order form 
And um, I actually remember the guy's name and I remember the company and everything. It was, we were so excited. I've never been so excited to make $8.20. It probably cost us a couple thousand dollars to make that $8.20, but it's so encouraging just to have that happen. And I don't remember our very first, um, oh no, that's not true. The very first seminar we ever did was for, um, at the time it was called New York and Company. Um, it's a division of women's women's brand of clothing called Express. And we believe that was our first actual training seminar because that's what we were selling. And we had no success stories to share. They really went on a, out on a limb to hire us. Uh, but the, I will say that probably the thing that we did successfully, that we did well, and believe me, we have made so many mistakes, many of them repeatedly. So mm -hmm. I am not speaking from on high here, but we niched down in our business. We, when we first launched our company, we focused on retail organizations that were large and we wanted to do training for them. And that's who we targeted when you talk about target customer. So it, we made it ver a very easy decision, I guess, because we really specialized and we weren't trying to be everything to everyone. And that today, I, because we look at some of the heroes in the industry and the coaching, training, personal development industry, or even broader in the media. And you look at someone like the Kardashians or some of these people and they're every, they're kind of like, they can do anything. They can release a makeup line and they can write a children's book and they can make beer. And it was just, they can do whatever they want, right? They can, and you say, well, I want to do a wide variety of things to a wide group of people. No. <laughs> niche down, find the, find your core audience who's going to really resonate with what you have, even though it's a small group. And then later you can grow from there. And so what happened to us in our business was we focused on the retail industry for a few years. And then the thing that they liked the best, and this is something that you learn being in business for a while is your customers sometimes tell you what they love. And the thing that resonated with our customers was go for no. That's what they loved. So that's when we made the transition and we said, our company is going to be around go for no. Oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to continue this conversation with you. Um, that's wonderful. So to, to wrap up, where can people find you? They can get everything that they need at goforno.com and it's not the number. So it's G-O-F-O-R-N-O.com. <laughs> okay. That's pretty simple. So thank you so much for the interview and Absolutely. I'm forward to the next one. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I found it really inspirational, especially the story Andrea shared at the beginning where the client bought everything that was presented to him. And the question of the manager was, well, what did he not buy? And I just love the way of thinking, like was there even more opportunity to make a sale and how could Richard have gone for it? So I hope that you can put this model into your business to make sure you serve your clients fully, not just 50% or 80, but fully, which will not only support your clients, but will also support your business. I was super pumped that Andrea was here today 
And uh, if you want to hop over to christineschlonsky.com, you find all the show notes, the transcript, the resources, obviously all the ways you can connect with Andrea besides going to gofornow.com. I have uh, set up for you all the links uh, to connect with her and also an invitation to join the Sales Success Library where you get my sales journaling prompts so you can start shifting your mindset to a sales success mindset. Have fun, gorgeous, wherever you are in this beautiful world. Make sure you tune in for the next episode. Best is to just subscribe so you never miss an episode. And yeah, have a wonderful day wherever you are. And bye for now.